keep the peace. Hello, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us again here at Wag the Dog FM, your uh, weekly public relations podcast. Happy to have you. Um, the um, feedback on the podcast has been enormous. Thank you very much for the reviews uh, on iTunes, the feedback I'm getting uh, when things are working and not working. I had a, a bit of a trouble of RSS feeds and things like that. But uh, it's great to, uh, for me at least, to, um, to feel that there's a community being built around this podcast. So uh, great stuff. Really happy that I started this. And of course, I will continue. Uh, this week, I uh, spoke with Eva Snijders. Eva is a Dutch uh, colleague, public relations colleague. She has a, a background, at least in public relations, but for the last years she's been uh, specializing in storytelling. And I was a bit skeptic about the whole storytelling thing and then, and we met up and we really uh, discussed on what storytelling really is, what it isn't, how it can be applied to public relations, uh, what kind of techniques and in fact the fundamental basics of uh, what modern storytelling is. Really interesting one. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And uh, Eva is someone with real, uh, real long background in communications and and uh, I just checked her LinkedIn profile, and I think this is wonderful because, Eva, when you're listening to this, I just found out that you have been a bartender and trainer at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel uh, uh, some time ago. But you specialize in dry martinis, and that is my favorite cocktail, so you owe me one. Good. Without further ado, people, uh, here we go for a 30-40-40 minute uh, interview with Eva Snedeks on storytelling. Enjoy. Hi, Eva, and uh, welcome on this edition of Wag the Dog. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, fine. How's the weather in uh, Barcelona? Because you're based in Barcelona, right? I'm based in Barcelona, and it's uh, I think it's 21 degrees. It's uh, springtime in Barcelona. Great. Not bad. Much better than <laughs> here in Belgium. Okay, <laughs> so our topic today, Eva, with you is all about storytelling. And uh, we met recently, and um, I told you straight on that I had my let's say, reservations about storytelling or the what I would call the hype around storytelling for the moment. So, But you said, no, mm-hmm. no, no, this is different. Let's talk about <laughs> it. And so that's what we're doing. And I think a lot of listeners uh, of this show will be interested in because, first of all, it's, it's geared to uh, communications people, communications professionals, and I'm sure they get their load of storytelling as well. So my point was, and maybe that is an opening here, my point was that storytelling is not new. We PR people have been doing this for ages and so Mm -hmm. why the focus on storytelling in the last what in the last six months to a year what is different is something different at all okay obviously no one is trying to invent the wheel here um people have been telling stories sharing stories for thousands of years so this is not about well let's come up with something new we had we hadn't done before um on the other hand i think that if you look at the 20th century you, you can see how that century is marked by mass communication, where corporations, brands, um, political parties, governments um, were communicating from platforms to a uniform mass of people. Um, We've done that and it's no longer working. We all know that. So this whole mass communication was all about creating impact. The more times you would hear a message or see a logo, the better you would remember it and the more you would feel inclined to buy into it. Um, With the the kind of noise we have today, the, the amount of information we have today, trying to create more impact is really not very useful. 
So I, the, the way I see it is that we're shifting, of we, we have shifted or we're still in the middle of shifting from uh, an impact model to an influence model. And obviously, when you look at how PR works, PR is far more about influence than it is about impact. Um, that is true. The thing is, I really don't think that uh, communication professionals, and I, I would count myself in, it has taken me a very long time and a very long road before I, I could shift from um, just writing out press releases and headlines to actually sharing stories because the relationship model is different. It's not so much about the content being different. It is about how we relate to people and how we relate to our audiences that is different. So maybe, yes, maybe we've been crafting stories, but I don't think we've been actually sharing them. Yeah, because you, you mentioned you give this very practical example and let's stick with the very practical examples, press releases. Now, press releases for me... Mm-hmm are just mm. a way to get the attention of a journalist so that he or she calls me up, comes into the room, what have you, go on a Skype call yeah. like we do now, and then I can tell my story. So that is just the hook that I, you know, get out there to reel him or her in, and then I start telling stories. Um, press release to me was much more working a thing like, you know, the, giving a signal, like I've got an interesting story. If you're interested, let me tell you the story. Well, I agree. Press releases are more a hook of hooks to uh, in order to get someone to talk to you, of course. The thing is that there's stories are told. I like to say that stories are being shared. So that's a completely different mm-hmm. focus than standing on a platform throwing content at people. Um, you share a story. And you share a story looking someone in the eye. Um, if you th- that is easy enough if uh, you and me would be having a coffee it's not maybe not that easy for talking about media or if we're talking about a brand um, offering content to their audiences but it, it is really essential that we start thinking in those terms that we start thinking of how we approach people and how we see them um, one of the other things is it is not so much about telling a story. I don't know you that well. We've only met once. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just always tell stories. You know, we all, we all have friends who just can't stop telling stories. And yeah, then we the have natural, friends who have a very hard time telling a story. Yeah, those people um, that when you go out for dinner are, you know, the center of, of because they've got great storytelling uh, techniques and they, but exactly. it's not even a technique for them. I mean, probably they've not been trained. I, but the friend I have in mind, for instance, hasn't, I've never been trained in, in, you know, in communications or uh, narratives or, or, you know, creating stories. It's just natural talent and then people listen automatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no, the, the thing is that uh, obviously there's copywriters who are very proficient at writing. Um, there's journalists who are very proficient at writing, but the whole environment we were moving in, the model we, we've been dealing with was not um, asking for stories it was asking for information and it was asking for impact. It was asking for big headlines and, and interesting things. It was asking for viral videos, if you want. Now, viral videos are not really about storytelling. They're about creating an impact. That's where we come from. Mm-hmm. So to, to, storytelling is, first of all, about sharing and sharing from person to person, not from a platform to a mass. Um then it is about being involved in what you're saying. And journalists have typically been trained not to show up behind the message they're conveying. So in storytelling, the, the, the idea of who 
who is telling the story is as important as the story. And your implication, your emotional implication in the story is important. That is something I think most journalists or most communication professionals have not been trained in. And they're actually being told not to do so. Yeah, I was going to say, we've been trained not to show, I mean, at least not to get personally involved in the stories we tell because these are exactly. corporate stories. We're telling the story of the corporation or the company or the organization that pays us to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I completely understand what, what you're saying here. Um, one thing, though, is with the, um, when you say, you know, communicating or, or telling stories, sharing stories from a platform, I, I, because of this podcast, in fact, I got into listening to podcasts, of course, much more than I mm-hmm. used to do. Uh, my One of my favorite ones is 99%. And it's a podcast about design in all shapes and formats. And I just listened to one uh, today, which was, those podcasts are really real stories. Those are the kind of things that you would, you know, I have this vision in my my mind, you know, sitting around the campfire as a lot of storytellers talk about storytelling, but that is the kind of emotion and feeling I get when I listen to that podcast because they tell stories in a way with the sound and the background noise and the people they interview and it's well constructed. I mean, it's really top quality audio storytelling, but it's still on a platform. It's still... You know, it's still radio, so to say, and it's still mass communications. So where would that be different? Okay, let me ask you let me ask you a question. Have you ever observed when when you go to uh, a bar with a friend and this friend tells you about um that day at work or their last holiday or something that happened to them mm-hmm. recently, what is our normal reaction to that? Well, to me, it depends on the story. If it would be his working day, I wouldn't really be interested. <laughs> but holidays. <laughs> no, the holidays, I don't know. Uh, it's a friend, first of all. So I've got a connection with that person. And then I I, yes. I would think I'm naturally inclined to listen uh, and to, uh, yeah. But the thing is that it is, it is not something we think about a lot because we have not been trained in storytelling and we um, we do it on a very unconscious level. You know, we, we do sit with someone and just tell our experience. We do do that. Once we start thinking about it, it all becomes very complicated. The thing is, when someone tells us a story, as in someone shares an experience they've had, we do two things. We we ask questions about what else happened or what happened next. Mm-hmm. Who else was there? What did they say then? Uh, what was their reaction? We want to know more. It's either that or we come up with a story of our own. I tell you a story about my grandma, grandfather and you said, oh, that reminds me of my of, neighbor. Yeah, and then and I, you will tell yeah, me yeah. a story about Exactly. Mm-hmm. The thing is that when, when, when we try and use that kind of that kind of mechanism in corporate communications we have no channels for dialogue still that that is what i mean with we're talking from a platform we're not talking from a place where people could actually respond to us and start a dialogue okay whereas that that is the natural reaction when you tell a story it is not about people hitting the like button it is about them being able to ask questions and tell their own stories that, that is the is, beauty of stories. Okay, I want to move, move. I mean, keep that idea. So now we're on the online com social media kind of uh, phase. I mean, uh, you know, when you say it's not about liking, it's maybe uh, about commenting on a blog post. Is that something? Or is it real life Twitter chats? Is that the kind of what you mean? Or is it something else still? 
well, the, the, the channels you use, the, the technology you use will depend on what kind of media you're communicating in. But it's, it's like the same thing as someone who does a presentation, he just stands up or she stands up on, on stage, does a presentation and then leaves. Um, so say if you were doing a live presentation, you tell a story, you need to leave a space for people to react. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that would work in printed media. Um, as opposed to social media, um, but we can find. I'm, I'm absolutely sure we can find channels to do so. Mm-hmm. And even then, if we have the channels, um, etc., you still think that we need to develop a better narrative, uh, get get more about the sharing uh, and the involvement with the audience. Is that what you see is missing today? I, I think that is definitely one of the things that is missing. Um, because because that too, from the part I I work a lot in internal communications, not so much in external communications. But um, what I see is that, especially in online communication, corporations are very worried about negative comments, and they're not even reading the positive comments. Which it, it always draws my attention. You know, when when there's a campaign going on, um, you will the community managers of all corporations are very well trained to detect negative comments, um, edit them, respond to them, neutralize them if you want. But then there's like tons of positive comments of people sharing their experience with a, a brand, with a company, with a person, with a politician, and they're not even paying attention. They're not even reading. Um, I understand that it's Uh, hard to um, open up and have people criticize you. But if you'd spend a bit more time on the positive comments, the negative comments would not, not wash away, but they would become less important too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ha- I have like in my conferences, I use many examples of brands where, where I'm actually, actually absolutely flabbergasted at, you know, there's like thousands of people commenting on um, positive experiences with a brand and the brand is only worried about three negative comments and trying to, you know, put out the fire. Um, I think that's something we still need to learn, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the what are the things of a good story is that if I, if I remember well, because I listened to uh, when you spoke at the panel of the conference we met, so... I made some notes, so I kept them. Uh, so, what? Oh, that's story. nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know. Um, so, what I re- you know remember from there and uh, looking at the notes is that a good story needs to be engaging. That is one thing, and yeah. that is probably a storytelling technique. So, how do you make stories engaging? How do you? Can you give us an example? How would you make a story engaging? What is exactly that engaging word in there? Well, there's a lot of buzz around the engagement part where people say stories need stories need to um, speak to people's emotions. Um, but this is exactly why I was saying that while we're being trained not to show up behind the message, mm-hmm. it is very hard to engage someone if you're not showing up behind your message. Because... Um, Engagement has a lot to do with how we experience reality. It has a lot to do with the senses. If I tell you a story and I only give you visual details, it will be very hard for you to engage. Whereas if I include the five senses, so I include smells and tastes and the 
feeling of the soft breeze on your skin, it will be far easier for you to feel empathy, to, to put yourself in my shoes and see what I'm seeing. So it is, it is very, I would say it is impossible to tell a story and not show up as a teller because you're sharing your own experience. Even if, you make, if you're making it up, mm-hmm. you're sharing what you are making up. Yeah. Um, so the five senses are definitely doors to empathy and engagement. I think the five senses, that's interesting because, the, I mean, I, I, I've read stuff about, you know, using imagery, right? Uh, let's use mm-hmm. an image. Uh, that helps. And that is something I think good communicators understand, you know, speaking images, people understand that. But you're going much further than just the visual aspects or the imaginary visual aspect. You're talking about, you know, smell and sense and all these things as well. So that is an interesting one. Well, so think about how life, if we leave aside the philosophical part of life, we experience life through our senses. So in order for me to understand you, I would need to feel what you're feeling. And that starts with the senses. You can tell me that you're sad, but that doesn't necessarily mean I understand your sadness. But if you tell me how you're feeling inside and how your body is itching or how you feel tension in your shoulders, I can feel that too. That mm-hmm. is something I can I can relate to very easily. So this whole hype about using video as if video were the answer, I, I totally do not agree with that. Um, and if you you're into podcasts, I mean, there's, there's been a, a tremendous uh, explosion of radio shows and podcasts where people will just listen to someone's voice. And they, you, you just told me yourself that the 99% podcast, you, you enjoy listening to that. And there's no images there. Oh, There's but no I see. It's I just, see, it's just that's, voice. That's the beauty of it. I see the images. You see, when today it was a story yes. about about um, the, the the workers who created all the tunnels and the metro stations or the metro tunnels in New York, and and because it has these background images and and the, and probably the the person who made the podcast was a good storyteller, and and I had these different voices of these typical New Yorker voices, and probably also because I know New York pretty well. You know, I saw it. Mm. I saw these people. I, it was like, you know, I had these images uh, where I would almost be disappointed if those people wouldn't, you know, if I would really meet them, they wouldn't, you know, be be like I imagined them. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Now, images, that is, that is, that, then it comes to the part where um, we have not been trained in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, none of, well, us professionals, yes, but as, as a, you know, as humanity, we have not been trained in storytelling. We just do it the best as we can. Um, so we're more aware of text and image because that is what more or less we've been trained in. We're, yeah. we're used to looking at images, but the other senses are there too. The thing is that we don't process them as consciously. Um, if I tell you a story and I'd only give you visuals, um, it will be very distant to you. I can promise you that. Have you ever have you ever walked down a street and all of a sudden um, you smell something mm-hmm. like a perfume or maybe the smell of fresh baked bread, mm-hmm. and that takes you to a completely different place? It takes you back to your grandma's kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah and you sort yeah. of. All of a sudden, you remember her. Well, that is what that is what the senses do. They they put us in, in, in a different place, and they put us in someone else's shoes, if if you want to. Oh, and I, and I completely agree that uh, smell is much 
stronger in in bringing back those those you know displacing you in time and location much more powerful than an image uh, definitely yes. yeah mm-hmm. okay, especially because we do not analyze it because we just it, perceive yeah, it just it. yeah it just it, it it is there and we don't have like uh, we ha- don't have to go through a certain uh, uh, rhythm to understand that it's just there in- instantaneously yeah now apart mm-hmm. from using the the senses how do you see that on a very practical level how how can a communicator incorporate that now that we understand that you know touching as many senses as possible or at least using them and and making it in mm-hmm. a, in a in a certain engagement way and a relevant probably as well to the audience i mean if is if the story is not relevant to someone then probably it doesn't work either but how how would well, so so first of all i would say what well, i would say um, try and find out what stories appeal to you as a teller. So th- this whole thing is about implication. It is about um, really telling the stories that you um, feel uh, attracted to, the things that draw your attention. So it's, it's like almost the opposite of what we are being taught in communication studies and journalism. Um, then there's the part of, of being... Uh, brave enough to show up and let people see what you're seeing, like um, allow people to see through your eyes. And with the senses, it doesn't mean that you have to describe all the senses like word for word, because that would be a bit um, awkward, I think. Um, But look, if you look at, at how we describe a meeting, for instance, we could speak about, um, the tension that was in the air, that is already appealing to the senses. You could you could use a verb like, um, or you could use a word like the weight of um, a statement. Mm-hmm. Weight, the word weight appeals to the senses too because it is about a, a, core, um, a body feeling. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we perceive weight through our bodies. So it, it doesn't mean you have to like make a list of like, what did it smell like? What did it sound like, etc. But choose your verbs wisely, because many verbs already relate to the senses. That's interesting to think about it. And you just gave a very simple example of a meeting and how you describe that. Yeah, yeah. Now, in one of your very first things you said was, you know, look for the stories that you like to tell or that resonate with you. Would that yes. be the same thing mm-hmm. as I? I tend to believe, um, and I've heard that being said from from when I do presentation and stuff, is that the passion shines through. That people, you know, really feel that passion and then start to listen and get into your story. Now, you know, when you're in corporate comms, you're not. It's not mm-hmm. like you get very passionate about every story you need to tell. So that's a bit different, right? I mean, it's a bit difficult now. No, it's not difficult. It is about allowing yourself to. There's a saying that says there's no such thing as a boring story. There's only boring storytellers. Uh-huh. So I, I would think if you tweak that a bit, you could you could definitely apply that to corporate communications. There's no such thing as a boring business. There's no such thing as a boring uh, subject to tackle. It depends on how you look at it. So... Um, I have a a friend who's a screenwriter. She wrote a book about storytelling a few years ago. And she had this brilliant example of, you know, how we were talking about uh, we all have a friend who's a great storyteller. And when we have like 
dinners or suppers with more friends, they will be the person who's talking all the time and everyone else will be listening. She said, there's people who, who may be working in a tax office or um, at, the, uh, at the highway, at a tallway. Like, like something that would really seem like a very boring job to anyone. Uh, but those people who have boring jobs like those who are great storytellers and they can tell about their daily life and the things that happen to them while they're working, that would, you know, that would keep you intrigued. So it's not so much about the, the subject, it is about how you look at it. Yeah, so if yeah. you think that your job is boring or your corporation is boring or you, and I have that a lot with clients, they will call me and say, oh, we would like to work with you, but yeah, we, we are in a very boring business. If you start believing that, it's like you don't allow yourself to see. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And again, um, I would never be able to, to, to do public relations for an organization where I don't really, you know, find the stories interesting. I mean, it... But but then again, it comes back to you know allowing yourself to see sometimes through different eyes and discover those stories because they are there. Is that what you're saying? The stories are there. We just yes. need to the see them. The stories are all, the stories are always there, and we just need to see them. That is one of my other. I mean, we ha we've only just met, Philippe, but I, I'm a fighter, and I've been fighting for this for mm -hmm. a long time. So one of the one of the things is. Um, It is not so much about sending your agency a brief and, and ask them to come up with a story. It is about going into the company and allowing the sh stories to show because they're there. And there's, there's natural storytellers in every organization that if you, if you do not give them a room to tell the stories, then you will never know. Mm -hmm. But they're there. Um, so it's not so much about inventing them or coming up with them or having someone who's a great writer. It is about discovering what's already there. And then you can work with that. Yeah, and from there you can, yeah, as you said, you can, communications people can start working with those real life stories. And I completely agree on, on, on that because there are so many good stories being told yes. every day in every single company. It's just that some people do not listen uh, and simply don't have a, 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 an outlet uh, to tell them. And also that they are not recorded. With one of my clients, I worked on internal exactly. comms mm -hmm. and I said, why are you... You're doing, you're doing five to six huge events where your your own employees are involved very much you you know your clients are there you're bringing people together for three days four times a year um, again it's very expensive to do so but that is your strategy that's what you want to do and nothing of those events is recorded you are not recording the stories being told and i'm not talking about the presentations mm -hmm. that should be a basic fact Uh, but yeah, we, we take we take pictures and then we and yeah. then we keep the powerpoints. We yeah. do do that, but we, we do we do not record the <laughs> yeah. dialogues. We do yeah. not record. That is that is one thing. I, I I like to spend time at the coffee machines at companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the hallway. That's where the stories are being told. It is not not in the meeting rooms, not on the stage. Um, not in the handbooks. It is in, in normal conversation where people share stories. And, and it, is, it is also about knowing what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, how would that uh, work? So because for, because uh, we, we in media yeah. relations have been trained to, first of all, uh, preempt 
different kind of questions from journalists, mm-hmm. of course. And we are being trained yeah. or we have been trained to create questions for Q&As to handle in crisis situations and stuff like that. So yeah, how, what, what are the kind of questions that would allow us to, you know, to discover good stories and work with them? Well, basically the questions are what what you know from from basic communication skills. It's it's like the five W's and the H. So you're asking about an experience. The the first question would typically be, can you tell me about a time when? Because you're you're asking about a specific experience. Not you're never asking about an idea or an opinion. Or what do you think about that? That is all opinion. We do not want that. We do not need that. So you will ask a person. Can you tell me about a time when? Um, and then you you need to know how to um, dive deeper into that. Because normally uh, people are not really used to telling stories, especially not in an interview context mm-hmm. where, where we're trained to answer questions in a certain way. Um, so you need to ask more about the experience. Those questions that come naturally, as I was saying, when you're in a bar, who else was there? What did they say? What happened next? Um, and I leave an, enough space for the person to actually tell what happened. So it's not about a ping pong thing that you can have in certain kinds of interviews. It is more about leaving space for the people to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed you said from straight from the start that we, we do not want opinions. Why wouldn't you? How How is that not not important? Is that... Well, that is, it depends on what, what kind of answer would you like, Philippe. Um, one of the things um, I am personally concerned about is that we already have a lot of space for opinions mm-hmm. you know in, in in any business in any organization there's a lot of room for opinions and even diverging opinions so we already have that we don't need more of that um and the thing is that when you're telling a story um it's it's a very simple look at a very simple example um if i tell you that women are far more sensitive than men, that is an opinion, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was a scientific fact, but... Um, I'm, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I think it's an opinion, but we can, we can discuss that too. Um, or I could tell you about how my mother um, is capable of turning any dinner, any supper into something special by adding flowers to the table and lighting candles and always choosing the right glasses for the right wine. Um, so I could I could go into that. It's not a story, by the way, but um, it is a different space. It is a different um, way of talking about things. Yeah, and in fact, you're, you're saying if, exactly if I, the same if I, thing. If I say... Exactly. But if I say, no, I'm not, it's not exactly the same thing. And it's just that in my view, it may well be so that women are more sensitive yeah. than men. And, yeah. I, and I could give you that in examples. But um, as long as I tell you about the last time I went to my mom's and what she did and how she put the table, it is no longer about you and me agreeing. It is just about me sharing my experience. Then you can share me a different experience, maybe. I could also tell you about my eldest brother, who I think is along, according to um, these scientific um, 
things might be more feminine than I am because he will be the one who lights the candles and I will forget. Um, so I, I could share an ex experience about the last time I went to my mom's or the last time I went to my brother's and you can share some other experience that says something completely different. But opinion and who is right and who is wrong is no longer important. Yeah. And I think that alone is a very healthy thing in business to just share an experience. So one of the things I do is I, I do story circles where we talk about experiences. And the only thing I do is I keep, I make sure that people keep with the experience and do not start um, giving their opinion. That's an interesting thing. And that thing because, brings, people, yeah. it brings people together. Yeah, it, 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 I can, you know, I, I fully follow you in, in, in what you say and I can relate to it. And then I still have in the back of my head, but that's probably my training, saying, well, <laughs> oh, that, you know, opinions and specifically, you know, people not agreeing, that is what sells in the press. That's how I get into the newspapers, mm. if I'm in media relations, for instance, of course. Um, yes. On the other hand, I completely see what you mean by telling those stories that you go much further than just, you know, positioning yourself and, and being out there, but that you're also leaving room for further discussion, for further stories, for a more commonly agreement on, on certain things, or maybe non-agreement, but in a less confrontational way. So I, I do get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, then to you said um, um, opinions and strong opinions and conflict will get us the headlines. Yeah. So that, that will create us impact. Yeah, because you know that there is one headline today, and there will be another headline no. tomorrow. Yeah, or even a, and they will will have yeah. completely forgotten about our yeah. headline from yesterday. Yeah. So if you want to build a long term relationship with your audiences, if you want people to remember you, that headline all of a sudden isn't that important. What could be important is maybe inspiration. Yeah, I'm you know, so, if, yeah. if have you ever been at a at a conference where there was this one person, this one um, speaker, who told a personal story, and then six months later, that is like the only person you remember from the conference? Yeah, 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 yeah. And those are the most powerful stories, of course. It's not the scripted uh, mm -hmm. PowerPoint kind of story that will uh, that will stay with you. Yeah, definitely. So I have just to, just to make sure I have nothing against headlines and I have nothing against key messages and uh, not even against arguments. I mean, I think discussions are extremely interesting, um, but we've been very focused on the headlines and the impact for a very long time. And if we would like to leave a legacy, for instance, if we if we are concerned about creating a community around our organization. Um, that we also need to think long term. Long term is not based on a series of headlines. It is based on um, people listening to each other, people inspiring each other. It's a completely different kind of energy. You know, I'm very glad we did this interview because the last couple of lines that you said, I will reuse them and put them on my blog in big <laughs> letters because that's exactly the discussion I have. And then it's really a discussion when my brother-in-law and I meet at family dinners. Mm -hmm. He's an advertising guy. I'm a public, I consider myself a public relations person. Oh, I pay to be there. Can I oh, come Oh, well, you, you should be. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> if you're around, I'll invite you and you have to see those things. But that's, that's the whole point that we are not agreeing upon then that's what i'm telling him he is in the business of you know of attracting attention uh of yeah. of you know breaking into people's 
uh, moment of concentration and say, look at this, this is so beautiful, buy it. Um, it's really it's interruptive communications. It's yeah, it's yeah. interruptive communications. No, and, uh, and I'm telling yeah. him, sorry, I'm in a different business. For me, I'm in there for the long run. Good public relations is not about media relations and getting those headlines because, you know, today you get a headline and five hours later, it's another headline. So that is not sustainable. But good public relations is building long-term relationships. And, and so that's yeah. completely in agreement with what you said about storytelling. Yeah. Agreed. But the thing is, and I do think that that marketing, uh, advertising, public affairs, public relations, all can work very well together. One of my one of my other things is that I think we should stop thinking in terms of online, offline, internal, external, those kind of things. Yeah. You know where where you where you um you typically have in, in large corporations, the internal communications department mm. depends on HR. External communications depends on marketing. Uh, public affairs depends on presidency, and they all—they're all doing their own thing. Yeah. And when you look at it from the outside, it just doesn't make sense. You no, know, it doesn't. And and <laughs> one of the things. Uh, so I've got now. So we're recording this uh, in April. It will go online in a month because I'm I'm preparing. So I'm I'm always getting four weeks ahead of time. But uh, I've got three podcasts out now, and I've uh, this is the sixth or the seventh I'm recording, and it's the golden is the it's the red thread throughout all those things. Exactly what you're saying, and what I'm convinced of is that you know these 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 splits of internal versus external of marketing, advertising, branding, online, offline. It's in all of my podcast interviews on different topics. That is the red thread. We need to stop thinking mm -hmm. in those little boxes because people on the outside. And on the inside, it simply doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. No, we don't. We do not see the boxes. Yeah, no, and, that's and true. even if even if I do not think that that you have, I mean, it would be crazy to give out all the information to tell all. Um, but yes, companies are becoming more transparent, even if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, if if today, if you are invited for a job interview, there's pages like Glassdoor, where people who are working currently working at the company or have been in a process to work there will share their experiences. So all of a sudden you have a lot of information that the company never put out there. Yeah. Um, and that is like more common every day. There's, you, you have access to so much more information than we used to have. So, um, And then the, the whole idea that um, an employee does not need to know about the financial situation or does not need to know about such and so. Who says so? Yeah. Maybe it's beneficial if we all had more information and we could choose for ourselves what, what we wanted to read. You know, it's not about the company being your father who tells you what you should be reading and what you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. We're all adults, you know. Eva, as a, as a almost closing question, um, what, what would you say to, I mean... Most of the listeners here are senior corporate comms people, uh, European-based. Um, what would you tell them, what is the most important thing that you would tell them about storytelling um, that they could, you know, take with them and think about? Um, wow. One of the most important things I would say, especially when we're talking about communications and because of the buzz we currently have around storytelling, I would say storytelling is not so much about the telling. It is about the listening. Mm. 
So if you want to start, if you want to see opportunities to use storytelling in your business or in, in your work as a freelance, um, start listening and start uh, inviting the stories to shine through. Then you can, yeah, and then you have time to decide what to do with them and whether you want to tell them or not and whether you want to make videos or not. But instead of concentrating so much on the telling and the structures and the formats and I, who knows what, start listening. It is amazing what you can learn from just taking a bit of time and attention and listen to other people's experiences. Great stuff, Eva. I like that as a closing uh, for this uh, podcast. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I think we uh, we already agree much more than the first time we met. <laughs> not that we have, not that <laughs> we have to, thing. not that we have to. But but as you see, I mean, getting deeper into the uh, the topic, uh, there there are definitely uh, links, parallels, and experience, shared experiences. So uh, very glad we uh, we took the time to meet up and uh, dig into that topic. So this will go up. I will uh, send you the link. But again, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Faye, for having me. So there you go, the story on storytelling. Thank you, Eva, for taking away those preconceptions I had about storytelling, I admit. Uh, so uh, great stuff. I hope you enjoyed it as well, everyone. Uh, next week, we have uh, yet another lady thought leader and we'll be discussing um, social intelligence and cultural intelligence and how we can uh, use this or should use that in uh, our international uh, interactions and public relations plans and tactics and then the week after another lady uh it's three in a row and uh, then we'll be talking about the state-of-the-art newsrooms that we all should be using and some of us are not using really uh, based on some uh, recent research um so in the meantime uh, i'll be uh, recording going on with my recordings every week and uh, hope you'll you'll keep on enjoying this podcast Again, give me feedback. You can do so by email, by an audio message, um, just calling me if things are not really working out. So don't hesitate. I need that input to make this better and better. Um, and until then, do the right thing. Keep the peace.